You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. My time is yours. I was the last My man standing. For I am the man, and the man feels no pressure. You are facing a fuel-injected suicide machine. Fear from the man that rules the world. I'm the man. When I walk, the ground shakes. I am the master. I am the ruler of the world. You are now entering the vicious circle. And welcome to another episode of the Vicious Circle. Sit, I know we're anxious because we got not only Barry here, but a very special guest of yours. Yeah, one of my best friends in the world, her name's uh, Linda Cox. Uh, I probably wouldn't be wrestling if it wasn't for her. We go back a long, long way back in the old Osceola days and stuff like that. Remember the old Osceola days, Linda? I sure do. Now, we were talking a little bit earlier. You were telling me about the Ellis Auditorium, something I don't really have any memory of. You have any old stories about the Ellis Auditorium? Well, we, uh, I was young, you know, my father, we, me and my niece used to wait on my father to come in from, from uh, work. He worked on the river. When he come in, we'd go to the Ellis Auditorium every Monday night for a wrestling. Wow. Who all would you see there? Me and my niece, Charlotte, and my father. No, what, what were some of the names of the wrestlers you would see there? Jackie Fargo, Tojo Yamamoto, uh, uh, Rough House, Crazy Brother. You saw Rough House Fargo? Uh, a lot and lots and lots of times. Now, you know, that, they always say that guy was really scary. Was you ever really scared of him? No, I never was scared of him. He was crazy. He you was know. crazy? Who was your he fa- was crazy. Who was your favorite wrestler back in those days? Uh, Jackie Fargo. Jackie Fargo. You know, when I, I didn't watch a lot of wrestling, but my, my favorite was Jackie Fargo, too. I remember seeing him one time on Channel 5. I think it was Jerry Lawler and his partner, Jim White, were beating him up, you know? And uh, I, I, I ain't kidding. I, I told my mother, whoever in the house, I said, man, if I was there, I'd be in that ring. I think I was crying even. You know, Jackie was great about that, right? Right. He could really, yeah. he could really sell, couldn't he? Absolutely. Now... Linda, you know, you and I have been to a lot of wrestling matches. Is there something you have personally against managers? Is there what? Anything personally you have against a wrestling manager? I've seen you get into it a couple times with old Bear there uh, and all. And, uh, what was the guy there? Sam Dollar. Do you like Sam, Sam Dollar? Sam Dollar. Do you like him? Sam Dollar. Sam Dollar was okay, but he got under my ruffles, and I'd sure get under his ruffles. Did you give him? You gave him the business a couple of times, right? I sure did. What, what were some of, the, if you can say it, and this is no holds bar? What were some of the things you you said to Sam Dollar? I used to say to Sam Dollar. Yeah, what were some of the things you would say to him? I told him I'd kick his ass, and I did quite a few times. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, oh, yeah. man. I had his ass kicked, mama, by us women 
Well, you well, you had well, well. Sometimes with you and all your sisters, how many of y'all have down there together? Sometime. Four. Yeah, you. I, I know Charlotte as well as not as well Charlotte. as I know. Uh, but I know yeah, Charlotte she, pretty good. She, hey, were those great days back then when no cowboy was there and everything? I was what? Wasn't it really great when no cowboy and Charlotte and everybody she used to go up there all the right. time? Yes, it was. It was wonderful. Yep. Now it was wonderful. Now, what? How do you rank Ron Ron Rage and Scotty White? Were they pretty good? Ron, you know, uh, sexy Ron Rage and Scotty White. Oh, oh yeah, I love them. You love them. Now, Ronald's yeah. always bragging about his G-string. Did he really wear a G-string? He did in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> now, he was go ahead, huh? Well, Miss Scotty gave me a dance one night up He was a good dancer. Now let me. Uh, I've got a, my writer here. His name's Barry Norman. One day <clears throat> we go to Chance, I'm gonna come up and introduce him. Is there anything that you could think of any of the stories we from wrestling or our softball tournaments? Or, now also, you know, of course, in wrestling, Linda, I think I've told you, and you know this. My my softball, you know, legend is bigger than my wrestling legend. Uh, I'm I'm sitting here next to Barry. Uh, is there anything that you could think to tell Barry he should put in this book that I might be too afraid to tell talk about? You're not afraid to talk about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the damn truth. How's, Ri how's Richard doing tonight? He's doing all right. He's eating some pizza. I took for it. Really? Uh huh. Well, good deal. Well, ma'am, honey, we're glad you called in and gave us some real good stories and everything. And uh, we'll get back with you sometime. Okay, bye. Love you. Bye. So, this is a woman that would follow, what, what was this, Oleol Wrestling? Yeah, this Osceola. Osceola Wrestling. And I swear, and the guy would get face to face with her, she would not move. It was like, you was going to have to push her over and you can't, you know. She did it every night. That was her big deal. You know, she said to be calm like we're sitting and the manager would come by. It's almost, you've got to see it. You know, it's just, you know, it's, it's funny as hell, but they really enjoyed it. Her and her sister, they went there every Friday night for fucking 20 years, you know. And what would you categorize that? Is that like the studio? Just a true wrestling fan. You know, that's what, you know, like some people want to, you know, sit there and watch it. You know, you, know, you got, like, Miss South Coliseum had an old woman that was notorious. She was, was there for 90 years. She probably died there. But she would get in your face and really give you the business. Oh, black woman, you know. And you always look forward to seeing her, you know, but you always have that one everywhere. So are you, do you have any history like this, Barry, from the old style wrestling? Yeah, uh, I used to go to the Boston Garden a few times uh, when I was, you no know, seven, eight, nine years old. So I was watching, you know, Bruno Sammartino, uh, Chief J Strongbow, Killer Kowalski, Haystack Calhoun. I mean, I was, I mean, I was mostly a Red Sox fan, but it was hard to get tickets to see the Red Sox. So I did like wrestling. And for some reason, my dad would take me to that, even though he had no interest. And my favorite was always Chief J Strongbow, because this is where, you no know, Sid knows mm -hmm. and everyone knows where Hulk Hogan got his you no know, comeback, uh, no right. gimmick from. Yeah. 
it, one used, of them. it used to fascinate me that he was getting Most the crap person, kicked out of him all match, and all of a sudden, no more. And the more the guy tried to hit him, the, and then he started doing his you no know, his rain dance, whatever, around yeah, the ring. Yeah, yeah. And then he'd make this great comeback. And I said, wow, because I was thinking I was always bullied all the time. Why can't that happen to me? Right, yeah, no, no, right. no, the bully is kicking my butt, and all of a sudden, it doesn't hurt anymore. And now I come back and kick his butt. Um, and then many, many years later, when I moved to Denver, right after graduating college in 79, uh, out of Denver, was out of Minneapolis, was AWA. And a lot of those guys ended up uh, you know, going to WWF. That was you know, Jesse Ventura, Adrian yeah. Adonis, uh, you know, the Road Warriors, Bobby Heenan, Gene Oakland. Yeah. And Sid, I was wondering, I mean, were you ever at any time recruited? Did anyone try to get you? Because they loved Monster Heels at the AWA. Mm -hmm. Did they? anyone ever try to contact you to see if that's something that you should you know, go into that promotion ever? No, you know, what it was, sort of what happened was when I got into the wrestling, the independent scene here, AWA was on sort of on the way out. You know what I mean? Uh, it was it was like everybody was fleeing, going to the WWF, so it had already lost its TV and stuff, so it really wasn't no sense to go there. Hell, Vern Gagne, I mean, uh, Greg Gagne was working for WCW. Right. You know what I mean? So it wasn't the desired place to go. Uh, at one time, and I don't know this, they could say it because they worked there, but they say that before, you know, Vince went worldwide and they was just a territory as well that Vern Gagne and them were beating them, you know. If you look back at some of their, like, shows right when they were really popular, they were d selling out some pretty big venues, you know. Well, well, they had a pretty good territory. I mean, obviously based out of Minneapolis, but they right. had you no know, Denver where I was. I knew they had they had a lot of the Midwest. They had Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Crusher, another one of my favorites then. They were they would sell out all over Wisconsin. Right. No, I mean, and some of their gimmicks were so funny. The Crusher was, you no, know, he was this, you no, know, just real blue-collar Polish guy, and he always talked about these little tiny restaurants and bars in, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. I go yeah. up there with a keg of beer in my back. And and his finishing move was the bolo punch, which once again made no sense. But it was so funny. Yeah. He would just start waving his arm around and hit the guy and knock him knock him out. And I yeah. said, okay, why did that work? But I don't care because it was fun. Yeah, of course. Uh, that's same that's with, what it was. It was fun. It was fun. Now Baron, Baron fun, Von Raschke you know? with, with the claw. I mean, yeah. all of a sudden, he, oh, he, he's, you're, you're beating him. And all of a sudden, somehow he gets his big hand. And he did have a giant hand on top of your head. And it was over with. And that was it for you. So, I mean, uh, so I did watch, I mean, obviously the real old Sal with, uh, you know, Bruno San Martino, those guys at the at the Boston Guard back in the 60s. But uh, I really started watching wrestling uh, when I was you know, an adult in, in, in Denver in uh, you know, the, the early 80s. And we were talking about this earlier, Sid, is the wrestling wasn't really much part of the show. No. I mean, the biggest high spots, the biggest moves was, you know, the body slam. Yeah. Which is nothing now. And then, of course, if you were the smaller guy, like Greg Gagne. Yeah. Uh, no, or, 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 or jumping. Dropkick. Drop no, uh, jumping Jim Brunzel. Those guys, they do a flying dropkick. Tito Santana was yeah. there. And those are the big, oh, death-defying moves. Right. It was all the interviews. It was interviews, theatrical, and, and the psychology. It was more the anticipation of him putting the claw on you. Like what I do, like instead of grabbing a hold, I tell guys when I got them down, I go, now just crawl away. And they would crawl and I would slowly come after them. Then I'd stop and I'd go. And the people, oh my God, he's going to kill him. And then I'd look and then, and then I'd look back at him and then I'd do that real slow walk. It's like, get up, run from this guy. You know, that, that's the art of it. You know, not many people picked up on art. That kind of art, you know. Yeah, and, and, and the big star then was kind of like a, a Ric Flair clone. I didn't know who Ric Flair was until a few years later when I started working at this place, and, and one of my coworkers was a huge NWA fan. He said, you got to learn about Roddy Piper and Ric Flair. But they had a guy, and I'm sure you know, Nick Bockwinkle. 
Yeah. He was very similar. You know, he was you know, the blonde guy, always, you know, the, 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 the big lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, and he could go a 30-minute, 40, 50-minute match. 60. 60. 60 minutes matches. And there was nothing spectacular done in him. I mean, he always looked like he was in his 50s. Yeah, he did. Uh, you know, he, he probably was, but his interviews were I great. My first match with him, it was me and um, Austin, Idol, Austin Idol against Nick Bockwinkle and Jerry Lawler. Really? my first match. And that was in Continental. That was in Memphis. Or Memphis. Co- yeah. Well, that's, Memphis became Continental, didn't no, it? No, Continental's a territory south of here. Oh, okay. That's my bad. I always thought yeah. they were the same one. See, it was weird, man. You know, I didn't know anything about wrestling, guys. And so when I got into it, I thought Memphis was the only territory. So I thought, fuck, you know, and I had that a little run here. What happened? Somebody didn't show up, so they put me on that Lord Humongous costume. And, um, and it, the guy, was, I guess, was scheduled to work for two or three weeks. So they put me on that, and that was it. So I think, fuck, that was, I'm out of this business, got to figure out something else to do. And then a promoter from Continental saw me at a gym at French Riviera and said, hey, man, I heard you was doing the Lord Mungus character. He goes, hey, would you like to come down to Continental and do it? I went, Continental? And then he goes, yeah, we're going to put you with a guy in downtown Bruno. And I knew Bruno from Memphis. I went, fuck, I ain't got nothing else to do. Then I found out there's like territories everywhere. I got down there, there was Dutch Mantel and all the guys from Memphis. So it was like this, you know, went from territory to territory. Which it was, and to me, man, it was the greatest life in the world. Traveling every day, having a great time, you know, seeing the world. You know, it was, it was a lot of fun. So no pressure. When you got there, who was booking at that time? Robert Fuller. Robert Fuller? And uh, his brother, uh, Ron Fuller. What, 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 I came in at the time that actually the territories were, were splitting up. Ron Fuller took the north end, and a real rich guy named David Woods, who just ran for mayor of uh, Alabama just recently, his dad was a... Uh, this big time billionaire, he'd come out of the war completely burned except for one eye. Started just building houses and made it to a, he owned like 30 or 40 radio and television stations across the country. He just parlayed his money, just built and built and built. Now he did then was just before he died, just fly around doing motivational speaks and running for, he'd run for governor every year. Lost every year, but he had the money to do it. Just, I found in the top, when I go through Dothan, I'll stop and get a shake or something ask about him they go man that was the nicest guy you come in here you never think he was anybody you know just get a milkshake and talk you know but he bought the other end and he's the one that like you know like here's my damn Hulk Hogan me so he treated me like a king you know so it was pretty cool that's why I told you about the jealousy I didn't even know I was getting treatment you know I just thought he was nice you know but he, him and his wife and kid would bring me apples at TVs and stuff and have me over their house for supper and stuff so you said that gave me a free apartment, which was cool. They ended up doing that for everybody. I was just talking to Bruno, you know, because TV had, but the boys fucked it all up. They tore everything up, you know. They thought they were rock stars. They thought they were the Who. They had yeah, exactly. Everything. Right. Well, that was smart. So but it was pretty cool. And you said when you came from Memphis to Continental, there's a lot of the same people. Like, who did you notice that that came up from Memphis? Well, Dutch Mantel, Sheep Herders, who I'd, I'd been in a match with, um, Tom Pritchard. Uh, Wendell Cooley, we had seen several times in Memphis. <clears throat> Robert Fuller, I'd seen him in Memphis. Ron Fuller, I've seen him in Memphis. Robert and Ron. Um, and then, um, seen him once in a while was Tommy Rich's cousin. I think it was called Davy Rich. And just just about everybody you saw there were here was here at one time. So, I was, and then you know, I was thinking, fuck, you know, I didn't know that that happened. You know, so it was cool. And actually, the territory was a much better territory than Memphis. Made really much, a lot better money. The trips were much better. We went always far as up high as Harlan, Kentucky, and 
far south as Panama City. So we lived in Birmingham for the most part for a while. But it was just, man, it was it was cool, man. So I, this, I'm fascinated now because I didn't I didn't realize they were two separate things. What yeah. did, What did you notice about the transition? Like you said, it was a better better fit. And it all that. just was. A, I just you know we're, I don't know. It just seemed like the Memphis territory. Everybody was negative and it was burned out. You know, down there, and like Tracy's mother was here. That he was down there. Uh, the Armstrongs that were here, they were all down there. Everybody was just having a good. We were making money. We're here. They weren't making any money. You know, so it was fun. And the trips were fun. You're in Florida. You know, on the beach sometimes. You know, so it was just a much better territory. Have fun too. And then, you know, me and Bruno made it easy. We shared everything. You know, uh, so you were able to save money, send money home. When you're able to do that, you're doing good. You know, so you know, we just had a hell of a good time. Do you have any interesting memories from Continental? Man, it was. It, it was just you know, that's the first time I had to um, get on a guy a little bit. Choke him down, teach him lay up a little bit, act so cool all the time. But, you know, really it was, this is, you know, we were so simple and dumb. You know, we had uh, these two girls that, we, they weren't rats, but they would follow us around if we would have dinner with them somewhere, they'd buy our dinner, you know. And I, I think, I can't even think of their names right now, Karen and Sheila. And so at first I didn't really know their names. I was just, we'd see them, you know, somewhere. They were from Knoxville, so we'd see them from anywhere they'd show up. And they'd go, hey, if y'all want to, we'll buy y'all dinner tonight just to sit and talk, you know. And that's all it was. And so we said, sure. So they actually, I invited them. Sabrina and Frankie came down, and so happened it was just a trip. It was in Panama City. <clears throat> and that's why I had, had them come down. That way they could go to a beach, and she had a little vacation time. So I'd been, you know, when, you know, when they went around, me and Bruno would go, yeah, the, the, the fat girl's going to come meet us for lunch, you know, stuff like that. So we were sitting there on the beach one day, out. Frankie was under the thing, and all of a sudden they walked up. We didn't see it, and Dad, Frank, Frank goes, "Hey, Dad, here's the fat girls." We we're like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, man. I said, "Shut up!" He goes, "Well, that's what you call them." I said, "Oh God!" Yeah. <laughs> but they came to even for years after I went to WCW and WWF. They would meet me and Frankie and Sabrina down in Florida for vacations. Oh, nice! Yeah, it's really, really nice folks. But you know, that's the thing is, you find out in wrestling that. Those are, that's the fans that want to be. They don't want to have sex. They want to just be around, talk to you, see what you really like, you know. So you know, we had some really cool fans like that, you know. How much of that followed you? Like from, from Continental, you went to WCW. You know what? It follows in WCW. They know WCW was a lot of rural places like West Virginia too. But um, and, and not just that, but, you know, Poughkeepsie and stuff like that, when the more little country areas. But, you know, they'd come out to our cars and, we sit out there and talk to them for a long time. They just wanted to talk, you know. Like, remember I tell you that one story? He goes, Man, Sid, you suck. I go, yeah, I know. And then, no, you really suck, dude. I went, yeah, no. <laughs> no, man, you know what? You're not that bad. No, no, I suck. Remember that? No, <laughs> Sid, really, man. You're, you're really not. You're really, man, you really work your ass off. No, you said I suck, you know. <laughs> so he follows me all the way. I'm putting the bag in. I go, I'm just kidding, you know. But that's why I enjoyed fucking, you know, having a good time with them, joking with them, you know, and then uh, shit like that. But you, know, you get the ones, you know, hey, Sid, you suck. No, I don't. Yeah, I know. No, you really, you're a pretty good guy. Here, I have this as a coupon, and it's a free visit to Dr. Kevorkian. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then she laughs and runs off. Come here, you little fucking brat. <laughs> oh, man. But no, to me, I enjoyed that more than anything, uh, more than the wrestling part. You know, the traveling was fun, but you know, going to the gym all the time, living it up. But just those moments where I could fuck with people like, man, are you a wrestler? You walk like a wrestler. Yeah, I'm a wrestler. What's your name? Richard Hurts. Really? Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes they call me Big Dick Hurts. Wow, I think I've heard of you. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Or, the, or I always pull this one, too. Man, someone said you wrestle. Yeah, sometimes. What's your name? Well, my wrestling identity is I'm a midget under a hood. You know what? I think I've seen you before. Yeah, I've seen that. You know, it's just like anything, you know. Hey, man, is wrestling fake? Yeah. But no, there was one time I seen this guy said, no, it's always fake. <laughs> no, no, but Sid, you weren't there. I was the Mid-South Coliseum. These guys were really fighting. <laughs> no, you just said it was fake. It can't be fake sometime, you know. So it was just fun. And then you know, the audience, I swear, I think I must have given a million people heart attacks. They were going, you suck. I'd go, what did you say? <laughs> you suck, you mother. I didn't hear you. What did you just say to me? And they would do it for like an hour. And finally, their ears were hurting and everything. I'm like, how do you feel now? <laughs> so we just always had fun like that. So this was like studio almost. Yeah, this was an audience. Yeah, like, but I mean, it's that yeah. size. It's yeah. like studio wrestling as opposed to the, the, the arenas and stuff. Well, I did it in arenas too. Oh, Continental was in arenas too. Yeah, there was a... All TV, all wrestling organizations have a TV where... The, um, Studio, uh, Continental really didn't have the studio. Just Memphis did. They would do it in like auditoriums too, like at the um, Birmingham uh, Civic Center. Um, but no, it was uh, that's where the Memphis would do the uh, TVs in the studio, and then to promote the house shows, you know, that came Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday and Friday. Actually, even that Saturday for Memphis was a live TV. You'd leave right there and go to a show, either be Jonesboro or Nashville. You're going one way or the other. Really? Yeah. Now, when you left Continental, did you ever look back and see what people were doing or see what the, the organization was doing? Man, I didn't. I really didn't keep up with it. I never looked at a booking sheet. I was always riding with somebody that knew where we were going. We always knew where we you – know, Nashville sometimes ran on Thursday and Saturday. I guess it was a you know, pretty good productive town. So, And then you know, Louisville was Tuesday, Evansville was Wednesday, and then you'd have – Spot shows picked out around other places. Like I said, if you did Saturday, if you did a Jonesboro, then Sunday would be something here too on this end instead of on the west end of the territory, like a small spot show. That way you'd be here for Monday for the Mid-South Coliseum most of the time. So it was traveling in a local, kind of yeah. local area. Yeah. Okay. So you went to WCW in 89. Right. Do you remember when? Because that's now I'm very curious. Because the last show for uh, Continental was November 25th, 1989. Now, see, I, when I left, they kept going. Yeah. You know, uh, actually, uh, Bruno, I was just talking about, I thought they had closed down, but they did. Bruno Lauer, you know, downtown Bruno came back. And then uh, it was a tough time, but yeah, they, it kept going for a little bit. Hmm. Not very long after you left, I think. That might say something. Yeah. Well, they were they were already. It was you know, um, it, it just was you know, what happened. I, I don't know when you start booking all your friends like Bob Armstrong. I love Bob Armstrong to death, but 
had every one of his sons in there, and you, you know, uh, you just can't run a business. You know, you got to get talent. And at that time too, the big territories were sucking everybody up, like me. You know, WCW was sucking up all the talent. They didn't really have a good, you know. When I, matter of fact, Brennan was telling me you know, Jerry Stubbs, which I like him, he's a lot great guy, but he, Mr. Olympia under the hood, that's not going to sell you any tickets. Yeah. So they were just down to nothing, no talent. Wasn't anyone's fault, you know. Then let me ask, if you had the perfect organization for both, for like, say, WWE and Continental, which kind of organization would you prefer? Would you prefer the smaller one or would you prefer yeah, the bigger? Yeah, I would prefer one you're in your car all the time. And, you know, to me, again, I don't remember the pressures or the politics and all that. That was a lot more fun. Of course, you don't make any money there, but, you know, it'd be a lot more fun if you made, you know, supposedly back in the good days, you made good money. Those little towns were all sold out, not not still like either one of the big territories, but it's just so much fun. You know, it, it seemed like the crowds were more live, you know, because it was still new, you know. I mean, it just, it was, it, to me, it was just, when I look back at Continental, it was probably the most fun I ever had in my career. And I think, too, I, I said at one point, it's more intimate, too, because when you are in that ring, they can hear what you're saying. Right. So you have to be very careful calling it. And also, you can really work the crowd because they can hear what you're saying. Right, 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 exactly. Barry, did you ever, when there was some of the small venues you went for WCW were like Columbus, Georgia. Right. That's, that's what like a small, you know, like a spot show would be for the Continental. You know, I mean, I was mostly at the TV tapes, which was Gainesville, you know, Center Stage, and uh, the Cobb, you know, Cobb County Coliseum. So, yeah, the, the ones that I mostly traveled, you guys were, were were fairly small. But I did go to some of the other ones for for pay per views, where the uh, you know the, the the big venues. We were always at the Omni, of course, right, you know, right, you no, know, in Atlanta. And then, of course, I was there when the first time we went to Madison Square Garden for the first time in years. Did uh, did I tell you we talked about the the running center stage again? Yeah, you were telling me a little bit about that earlier. That uh, I think they call it NWA or something like that. The guy from Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, Billy Corgan. Back. Yeah, Billy Corgan. I'd like to see that. Just I, I'd like to see that old. Stuff. You know, I used to love sitting back watching the old AWA tapes. Yes. You know, the thing is, like this is. Uh, oh, there's a phone. It's not mine. <laughs> just pick that up and just. You know what? That's a good moment. We'll get to our question. Okay. And for our question this time, we have Dean from the Isle of Man. Go ahead, Dean. What you got? Quick question about your character, Sid, about um, Sid Justice. If you could have gotten back into the WWF as that character, how do you think it would have worked, like, later on, 95, 96 years? <clears throat> I don't think that character would have worked in 1809. The deal about that thing of pink cape, pink tights, it just wasn't going anywhere so i don't i mean the, the name sid justice might be able to go somewhere but man that thing was so corny um and i think that's why it was so so short-lived i just don't think that character could have ever done really well excellent well thank you so much dean and uh we'll get ready for our next episode you've been listening to the vicious circle podcast your host sid udi co-host j robert bellamy Additional research by Pete Marsh. The Vicious Circle podcast was produced by Two Cousin Road Trip Media, a division of JX3 Media Productions. The intro music, Omega Amigo, was by The Shaman. All rights to the podcast are held by Sid Udi.